0: Please turn with me to Acts chapter 9. And we're going to read the, this section of Scripture. I'm going to read all the way down, starting in verse 36. Acts 9, 36. going to read all the way to verse 42. And our focal point will be verse 36. Now in Joppa... There was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him. Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with him. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Okay, so going back up to verse 36. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. The first word I want us to really zoom in on about Tabitha is that she's named for being a disciple now, what does being a disciple mean? It means you're being trained by your teacher, the one who is underneath the teacher. And the implication is, in the training, you're becoming more and more like your teacher. And I'm sure many of you all know, familiar with Jesus and his disciples, that that's actually what he did. He trained them to be more and more like him, to know what he knew, and to do as he did. So today's sermon is about knowing and doing Jesus' commands and how Tabitha was that woman. She was a good quality disciple of Jesus Christ with her life. So Tabitha was a disciple. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity. The next word I want us to zoom in on is abounding. Abounding. Some translations will be full. The Greek word is play race, And we get our English term plethora. Plethora is a derivative from the Greek here. And it just means a lot. Many, much, full. If Tabitha had a basket, it was full. It was full of kindness and good deeds. That's what God is telling us about Tabitha's life here. Not only was Luke writing the book of Acts, but the Holy Spirit was working in Luke to exactly describe for us Tabitha's life. So let's not get off the details of what these words really mean. Playrace, abounding, full, plethora, with deeds of kindness and charity. So not only was she kind toward all people, doing all these kinds of acts toward fellow Christians, and we'll we'll get to there, she also showed charity. So two types of deeds here. Charity is specifically to the poor, the needy, the impoverished, those who can't possibly do anything back for Tabitha. She exhausted herself. She gave herself to giving to those who could never repay her, Jesus taught the disciples this. When you give a banquet, make sure you invite poor and needy people too who can never repay you. And your father who sees what you do in heaven, he will repay you. Tabitha did such. That's how she lived her life. Acts of kindness toward all people and all Christians. And she didn't neglect the poor or the needy or those with far less than her last part that I want to draw our attention to is that she continually did this. Another translation, I believe the NIV says, always. In the Greek, I want to draw attention to the way the verb here from the authorial perspective and how he's using the word. The Greek is epoie, and that means is that the author is looking back in the past at Tabitha's life, and he's saying she was, the work was never done. He's looking at this past tense thing that was going on in Tabitha's life up to the moment that she died and the work was never done. It was never completed, but it was active and ongoing. Tabitha oriented her life toward the goal of serving Jesus Christ by obeying his commands, by being a person full of good deeds toward all people, especially Christians, especially the household of faith that she was a part of there, And then also extending her hand to the poor, to the charitable deeds, to the needy. Tabitha was a disciple that heard the word taught. And she obeyed it in simplicity and purity. She didn't try to build her own programs and all this other stuff. And starts getting further and further away from the the, the clear, basic commands of scripture. just obeyed the commands she didn't preoccupy herself with too much me time how many people do you know where that's constantly being whispered into your ear or your own heart is constantly being like serve yourself love yourself I mean do something for yourself constantly just be about you it's about your retirement or it's about this or do do what's best for you That wasn't Tabitha's life as described in Scripture. She didn't spend the majority of her time trying to make herself happy through amusements, entertainments, Greek theater, the Olympic Games, the Isthmus Games. She could have went to the sporting events, all of them. There was many going on back in that time, too. That's where the Greek Games come from, that we still celebrate and watch so much today. But that didn't seem to be Tabitha's priority or her life. She wasn't wrapped up in thinking that she should become the greatest philosophical orator that could sway thousands through her words as Paul will confront in Athens in Acts chapter 17. People that just spent their life hearing new ideas and figuring out how to just talk about them. That wasn't what Tabitha did, but it was very popular at the time. People just talking about stuff. But she spent her life blessing others through acts of service. She gave her money, her time, her weekends, her hands to make clothes for needy people, especially the older widows, as mentioned in the passage. Tabitha was a Proverbs 31 woman. And please, we're going to begin our Bible study now. Please turn with me to Proverbs 31. We're going to take a look at how Tabitha obeyed Scripture. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, and we'll start in verse uh, 13. Head down toward 20. Proverbs 31, 13. She. This woman of God, she looks for wool and flax, so she takes basic material elements she gets them to do things with, and she works with her own hands in delight. It's not a drudgery. This woman is not doing it like, oh, I have to. It's a delight. Doing this work is a delight to her. Her heart is in it. She sees the value in it as good and she delights in doing this work for the Lord. Delighting in the work that she does unto the Lord. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it's still nighttime, and she gives food to her own household, portions to her maidens. She considers a field. She buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This is an industrious woman. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hand to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. Working with her hands. Number 20, she extends her hands to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. That is exactly what we read about Tabitha in Acts 9. She was this woman. She got materials and she went in her spare time and made clothes for women who needed it most, that had very little or nothing, so they could have another outer garment to protect them from the elements. That's what she spent her time and her life doing. Tabitha was industrious. She responded to God's word with a ready and available hand. Tabitha was a woman that knew in her heart that knowing the word without acting upon it was empty faith. Tabitha was a James 1 kind of woman. Please turn with me to James 1. And we'll read scripture there as well. James 1. We're going to start at verse 21. I'm going to read down. James 1, and following. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in your lives and in yourselves, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once he's looked at himself and gone away he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was but one who looks intently at the perfect law the law of liberty and abides by it not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer this man will be blessed in what he does Bible studies are really good guys but it's meaningless if you don't put it to work faithfully. We don't necessarily need to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, only study. Study without action is empty belief, empty faith. James says it's meaningless or it's worthless, it'll be burned up verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be a religious person and yet he doesn't bridle his own tongue but de- he deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, visiting orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself unstained by the world now everyone in the whole world knows that vid- doing, visiting widows and orphans is a good thing, no one's going to come after you for that Right? Nobody's stoning Mother Teresa in India. But the moment you reject sin in the world, and you strive to keep yourself unstained by the ideas and the philosophies of the world, that's when it gets ramped up. That's when the world doesn't like that you're coming out from amongst them and not doing the things that they like to do anymore. It gets uncomfortable. Your life is like, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to stand for the truth and spend more time doing these good things for Jesus Christ and his commands. And it's costly, right? Takes money, takes time, takes effort, takes direction and focus. And it takes decisions to actually act upon it and do it. You have to believe it in your heart and delight in the commands. as if they're good and valuable. And this this is what's worth living for. Tabitha did not forget about the commands of God once she left the church on Sunday morning. Did she? She took up action from her own home and the resources that she had that God had given her throughout the week. She put together clothes. Okay, I want you to visualize that. That's what it says in Acts. She made garments. And then she gave it to people who were in great need. She served the poor and the older widows, just like the Bible says. We're going to look at that in 1 Timothy 5 here momentarily. This ministry service of hers is described in the Bible as being full or abounding. And I'm going to keep saying those words, full and abounding. It also describes her deeds as being something that she was continually doing. Never stopping, active. It was ongoing. It was the orientation of her life. It was never finished or put aside for something else. Nothing came in and cheapened her service and devotion to the king. Nothing distracted her. Her weeks and her days were geared toward serving. Tabitha honored the commands of God about how to serve older widows from 1 Timothy 5. Please turn with me to 1 Timothy 5. Timothy 5 starting in verse 3 honor widows who are widows indeed but if any widow has children or grandchildren they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents for this is acceptable in the sight of God now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone and has fixed her hope on God continues in entreaties and prayers night and day so this woman's a praying woman But she gives herself to wanton pleasure instead, is dead even while she still lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone doesn't provide for his own, and especially that of his own household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old. Having been the wife of one man, having a reputation of good works, if she's brought up children if she's shown hospitality to strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet and assisted those who are in distress, and if she's devoted herself to every good work. Women, take a look at this. This is God's plan for women, and it's magnificent. It's, his, it's God's design. Women, if you want to change the world, do these things in verse 9 and beyond, and be in, in prayer. bringing up your children. Women, if you want to teach, God's given you 16 years from the ages of 2 to 18 in our country the way we do it to teach the next generation. Don't let the world distract you and pull you away from the most precious treasure that God's given you, and that's your own children. Even if it seems like it's a good thing, You can can get pulled away from training your own children really well, seemingly getting bogged down with maybe even church tasks. That would not be a good order of priorities. Don't neglect the disciples that God has given you to teach and to train in God's commands and His ways. Don't abandon that work. Don't let the world pull you away, and don't let anybody in the church pull you away from God's design. We need women to train up the next generation. And we need women to open up their homes for hospitality to strangers. How many Christians are you opening up your home to in this church? Feeding them, loving them, serving them, acts of kindness and deeds to the saints, washing the saints' feet. Just be about it all the time. Assist those in distress. Tabitha likely cared for these older widows as described in Timothy 5 that were over the age of 60. They had lived exemplary Christian lives as women, and these widows were to be useful, and as described in the Bible here, for all kinds of service in the church and in the world. This is God's design for these women and for all women. These widows prayed for the church. They had a reputation of good works. They served people. They brought meals. They did fellowship. They assisted the poor. They were industrious with their hands. They trained and taught their children well. They loved their husbands, made his home their castle, and just loved people, built them up and encouraged them. Tabitha was a disciple who was friends with all these people in her church, and they were willing to run and go find Peter for her. This church wanted her back. They loved her. God immortalized Tabitha's life in scripture it's written down forever in one verse of the Bible but it's a very full verse and if you start going around the Bible you start seeing how Tabitha was Proverbs 31 Timothy 5 James 1 you you can just see it as you start putting the pieces together from one verse Men, you too should aspire to have these abounding good deeds and supporting women in these noble tasks. Don't tell them to go do something else. Encourage them to be these things and to do these things. Provide, support, protect, encourage, nourish, support, and lead by example as well. God decided to give us several wonderful details about this wonderful woman, Tabitha. She was abounding in good deeds and charity. Tabitha continuously oriented her life to accomplish these things as described in Timothy 5. Tabitha lived like this because she was a disciple. She was a disciple. And in a very real sense, she still is in heaven. She walked after the master, the Lord Jesus, his footsteps, and she never took her eyes off the prize of unending joy in Jesus' presence How many of you want to have fullness of joy In this life and the next Are you trying to fill your life up with something else I mean are you, ser- are you searching for joy Or happiness somewhere else Other than in Jesus Christ Now if you go to work And <laughs> you go caught in the world Everyone's pursuing happiness right We got a famous phrase here in America What pursuit of life, liberty and happiness everyone's pursuing to be happy the Bible says there's only one true place that you can find joy lasting joy, joy that like Jesus told the woman at the well will bubble up from within her and that's joy through the Holy Spirit and Jesus tells us how we can have more of that joy In John 15, he tells his disciples that having his commands, we will abide in his love, just as he has his father's commands and abides in his love. And if we take these commands and we act on them, Jesus says, My joy will be in you, and your joy will be made full. There is only fullness and joy coming from Jesus. And it's when you take his commands and follow them through actively with delight. That is where true joy is, Christian, and I pray that you will be about it all the more. Don't spend your money on what is not really bread. Don't spend your money and your time and your resources and your devotion and your focus on all these other things in the world which do not last. Present joy and eternal future joy is in Jesus Christ and learning to be more like him and do as he did. Okay, points of application. I've been giving you a few of them as we go. My time is probably coming to an end. The Bible says that one day we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to be rewarded for what we've done. Ron read from us from Matthew 25 and I'm asking you to turn to Matthew 25. We're going to look at a couple of more things that we can do to obey Jesus Christ. Matthew 25. So there's two judgments talked about in the Bible. Matthew 25 talks about what's sometimes called the great white throne judgment. And that's going to be the entrance place to heaven or to hell. And then after that, for believers, there is another judgment. The literal term in Corinthians 5 is the, the Bema judgment, or the Bema seat, and it's talking about, uh, that seat was either used as a judicial place, but it also used to hand out wreaths to athletes that were victors in the games. So it was a place for rewards. It's what it was also used for, and I believe that's how Paul uses it in Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. So don't confuse part of this with that. I'm trying to bring the both together, because You're you're gonna enter heaven by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. You can't earn yourself into there. It's all of God's grace. And everything that he motivates in your life is also of grace. And that's the Bama judgment. But how much are you doing in your life that you want to be praised for and rewarded by the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you doing as well as you'd like to be doing? Are are you as focused on the kingdom of God as you should be and on magnifying Jesus Christ with every moment you can, with every effort and delight and are you pursuing joy in his presence, or are you pursuing joy in something else? Let's take a look and see if we can glean some things from Matthew 25, verse 34. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and me you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry, feed you thirsty, give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you into our home? Or naked, and clothe you. When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, now this is important, this next phrase. To the extent, and I'm going to pause there and say it again, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, he's talking about Christians that are going to heaven, to the extent, to the degree, to the measure in which you pursued these types of things toward other Christians, you did it to me, myself. Now, if Jesus walked into this room, how many people would be falling all over him in love and in worship? I'm not saying worship other Christians. (laughs) But you know the point, what I'm saying is that it's not trying to suck up to Jesus either, I don't think. But wouldn't you come and serve him? Would you serve him with minimal effort? Or would you get woke up in your heart and in your mind and be like, I better serve this guy he is worth all service and love and affection and action well this is what Jesus is saying to the extent in which you do it to each other you're actually doing it to me and when you stand before Jesus you're going to have to give an account for your life of how you treated other Christians in the church and other people in general but especially to the household of faith How did you love and sacrifice and posture your life and orient your life to serving other Christians, to building them up, to using your spiritual gifts in the church for the work of the ministry? How many people did you invite into your home and give your best meal to? Did you know that Abraham sacrificed the fattened calf when God came down with the two angels? Are we giving our best to our fellow Christians or our leftovers when we feel like it? I pray that we'll see what Jesus is trying to point out to us, that our joy can be in him and in loving others in a better way. And I think the idea we need to capture in our hearts and our minds is to see Christians as serving Jesus himself. That is what Jesus is telling us here. And and these believers seem to have no idea that that was the case. We didn't know who was serving you. Yeah, it was serving me. And to the measure in which you did it to me is to the measure in which I'm going to reward you in heaven and fill you with my joy and presence forevermore. We need to love each other more, better, with delight. If we don't have delight, I don't know, maybe there's some things we need to work through, but don't spend too much time working through it get to action what you do in this life will be rewarded in eternity and I believe that promise in John 15 10 and 11 talks about joy now as well when this mortal puts on immortality what what will be said of you at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ how much time did you spend obeying God's plain commands and how much time did you spend on less meaningful things Tabitha's sport, Tabitha's hobby, the things that Tabitha disciplined herself for the purpose of godliness, that term discipline that Paul uses to Timothy is gymnazo, which is where we get our term gymnasium. And it's where athletes train. But it's not a place, it's an idea. And the idea is stripping yourself off of all your outer garments and clothes and getting down to the basics so you can really exert your body. It means getting down to a loincloth or naked for an athletic term to where you would train your body that seriously. And this is what I believe Paul has in mind when he tells Timothy this and all of us. When you go to train yourself, you need to strip off everything that's encumbering in your life that's not focused on the goal and the prize of the kingdom and start to get shed, shed the stuff that shed the time the stuff that you're spending your time on you need to be more about the kingdom and train and discipline yourself for the kingdom because the kingdom is eternal we got 70, 80, 90 years here that's a little blip on the radar God doesn't want us to, to waste our life if I can borrow the words from John Piper Don't waste your life. You only got a few years. We don't know if we'll die tomorrow. We need to be about it now. We need to love Christians well, now, better. Don't just go home today and forget about this. Kids, teenagers, this is for you too. Maybe you need to tell your parents, I don't want to waste my life on meaningless things anymore. The only trophy I'm concerned about is hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Husbands, love your wives. Wash them in the word, build them up. Encourage them to be a godly woman and to do the things in scripture. Fathers, raise your children. Instruct them in the God's commands. Show them by example. Make your house, men a house of hospitality where you are inviting people in and loving people. That's what Jesus did. Men, we need to start acting like Jesus Christ. Amen? More? How many people are we welcoming into our home? Is our home actually spiritually, Christianly healthy? Is is it like Peter's home? Was it like Jesus? would Jesus and the disciples be welcome into our home? Maybe if I get a little time next year. Don't put it off. The time is now. Wives, obey your husbands. Respect them. Make their home their castle, like I said earlier. Teach and train your children, mothers. Raise your children to obey God's commands and to respect their dads and to serve Jesus. Men, pray with your hands lifted high. Be temperate. Invite people into your home, and women, you as well. Women, serve food, make meals, serve widows and orphans, make clothes, serve people, do acts of kindness, charity. There's all kinds of things you can do to be nice and more hospitable. Everyone, don't live for popularity or for your personal pleasures. Don't, don't live for the sporting event. It's not going to last Don't live for the next hunting trophy. It's not going to last. The only thing that matters is what you do for Jesus in accord with his word that will last into eternity. Like I said, Tabitha's life has been immortalized for us and she's in heaven with the saints. We all need to learn from Tabitha as she walked after Jesus Christ and we need to take her example to heart and start looking at Christ more. If we orient our families, our homes, toward living like Jesus, I mean, how many people do we have in this church? Some say three, some say four, some say 500. But if we had a hundred homes that were healthy discipleship centers all postured around the main assembly, which we're now a part of now. And we had these warm, welcoming homes that invited people in, loved one another throughout the week, served one another, and we showed the community of Peer and the rest of the world how great our love is for one another and thus for Jesus Christ. What if we spent our time doing that? Listen, you can be a nice person and say hello. We can go join the Elk Lodge or the Moose Lodge or some other nice nonprofit organization and find good nice friends with nice little conversations but that's not christianity christianity is radically laying down your life to serve and be sacrificial and give your resources and your love to people and those who need it the most the world doesn't need another social club where we're just nice to people for two hours a week need to be radically different we need to be the people we need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ and I know you all know if you read the gospels you're like man Jesus there's no one greater to live like so if we oriented our homes to be like that men and women even you teenagers in your homes encourage your parents this is what we need to be about you're the next generation you can cause change you want to turn the world upside down it's not voting this december or this november it's not getting into a position of authority in the government somewhere tabitha was a disciple that changed the world she affected a lot of people around her it's disciples of jesus christ devoted to the clear commands in scripture that are going to change people it's love and good deeds That are going to be shared with others. That are going to change people's hearts. People are going to want to be a part of our church if we love each other after church. Like making that our business more and more and more. What are we? How are we? How are we spending our time? How are are we spending ourselves? Is it as as good as we should? Let's change ourselves and change our church for the glory of Jesus Christ by obeying scripture. Let's look to the example of Tabitha. Remember that I want to make my life one that is continually ongoing and active towards love and good deeds and acts of charity. I don't want to put it down for other things and I don't want to be distracted and I don't want to delude my heart into thinking I'm a good person when I spend most of my time doing other things. bow with me in prayer as we close Father please please come down send your spirit to us please cleanse us cleanse us from worldly things that distract us and take us away from pure devotion to Jesus Christ make us more like your son God we need to love one another so that the world can see that you are in us Help us to do this more in a greater way than we might impact our community and the world through simple acts of love and service and preaching the gospel plainly. God, we ask that you do this by the power of your spirit. We can't do this. We can't muster this up. We can't be Jesus on our own. We need your power. But Lord, please move in us to love one another better. Father, please do this by the power of your spirit through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus who is our only hope.